shackled by a heavy burden, neath the load of guilt and shame. Then the hand of Jesus touched me, and now I am no longer the same. He touched me, oh, he touched me, he touched me, and oh, the joy that floods my soul, something happened, and now I know he touched me. met this blessed Savior, since he cleansed and made me whole, I will never cease to praise him, I'll shout it while eternity touched me oh he touched me he touched me and all oh, the joy that floods my soul something happened and now I know he touched me and made me oh he touched me he touched me and oh the joy that floods my soul something happened and now I know he touched me and made Let's take our Bibles today. Turn over to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to begin reading there in verse 1. So glad you could be here today. And again, I know that there's always things that we can be doing. But thankfully, as our theme points out, today is the Lord's Day. And you've chosen to make it just that. And so 1 Peter chapter one, uh, 2 verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. <clears throat> Wherefore, laying aside all malice, and all guile, and hypocrisies and envies, and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a lively living stone, Disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. Behold, 
I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, as a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. It's interesting as we come to the conclusion of that particular passage that we have just read that there's two different perspectives that seem to be being brought forth when it comes to Jesus Christ. On one hand, we have in verse 7, unto you therefore which believe he is precious. He's precious. Talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, he is precious. If you believe. But then he goes on to talk about those in verse 8. He's talking about those, on the other hand, who don't believe, that have not allowed him to have a part and a place in their life. He is a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Peter will quote from the book of Isaiah. He quotes the prophet Isaiah. He quotes him at a time when the world of his day was about to fall apart. I mean, that's where he comes up with this, wherefore also it is contained in the scriptures. What is this passage? Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. He says, listen, I, I'm just re-quoting, I'm just saying it again. I'm plagiarizing, if you will, the words of Isaiah the prophet. And he's sharing from a time when literally the world was falling apart. The northern kingdom of Israel, along with its capital city, Samaria, was about to be swept away by the Assyrians. As a result of their disobedience, uh, Israel's disobedience and idolatry and moral decay, God had allowed this nation to come and literally seize them and eventually bring them into captivity. There was a need to get back to the basics. The Bible, for the most part, was a forgotten book. And the people were biblically illiterate. Isaiah would declare that the people should learn line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. Why? Why were they to do that? Because it wouldn't be very long from that point that the people would be carried away into a foreign land. And there in that foreign land, they would be forced to listen to so many different voices Voices that denied God, voices that denied, uh, 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 insisted on worshiping idols and exercising false religion. And he's saying, listen, it's important that we learn about God, that we make him a mainstake in our life, that we don't allow him to slip off the way he has. We must prepare and ready ourselves because there's coming a day and it's very soon that we're going to go off into captivity and we'll not hear the praises of Zion, we'll not see the word of God, we'll not exercise the truth, we'll be bombarded and we'll be saturated with lies. So we better figure it out now. And it's amidst this horrific picture that Isaiah now paints that Christ himself is introduced as the rock, as the foundation stone, as the cornerstone. Even as the world is being pulled apart, God was preparing to lay a new foundation, both for Israel and for the church in Christ Jesus. 
So Isaiah's prophecy of the stone was clearly messianic. The Lord didn't hesitate to say so. He was the stone. He was the cornerstone and the sure foundation that he was speaking of. Isaiah was. And he alone, and in him rests all our hopes. Israel as a nation failed to see it. But the fact still remained. For now the church is the benefactor. We've been given so much of the good that should have been Israel's. One day when God is finished with the church and the last soul has been saved and the body of Christ is complete, we as a body will be raptured out and Israel will be once again acknowledged, addressed and dealt with specifically. They will recognize the truth at last and they will be restored to their rightful place. Listen, every generation needs a rock to stand upon. Every generation needs a cornerstone in which to build upon. Every generation needs a sure foundation in which to rest upon. It is in those things we find our stability, our safety, and our serenity. And this morning, I just want to simply speak to you about this subject. It's time to rock your world. Father, we come to you and we ask, dear God, that you would speak to our hearts today. May you do a work in our lives. And again, help us to recognize you, Lord Jesus, as the rock, the sure foundation, the stone which is laid as the chief cornerstone. Father, help us to recognize our need and then to lean on you and build our lives on you. Now, Father, fill me with your Holy Ghost. Allow me to be your mouthpiece today. And be with the people of God, and may you just be glorified in this next few moments. We need you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we mentioned earlier this man or prophet by the name of Isaiah. Turn, if you would, to Isaiah 28, verse 16. Because this is the passage in which the writer in in, in 1 Peter wrote. Notice what it says in Isaiah 28, verse 16. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16. This is what Peter quoted. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Now, in context, as we noted already, God is speaking to the scoffers. He's speaking to the unbelievers of Judah at this point. He's speaking to those that are out of sorts with God. And he promises to send, excuse me, uh, uh, with Israel. And he's, he's, he's promised to send the Christ that would be that stone. A precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. And that sure foundation, that cornerstone... That rock, if you will, was needed in their life and it was needed in their nation. The only condition was that they would trust him when he came. So in the passage, Christ is being foretold. Christ is being prophesied. And he's being prophesied here in the passage as the stone. 
a tried stone. Turn, if you would, to Psalm chapter 18. Throughout Scripture, there's a number of times that Christ is pictured. We often refer to them as types, and in this case, we're going to see the rock, and in this case, we see that he's spoken of as a stone, a tried stone. Psalm chapter 18, verse 30. The psalmist is speaking, and he says, As for God, His way is perfect. And by the way, there's no debate there. His way is perfect. Can I tell you the reason why we're having so many problems in America and around the world today is because we're not following His way. That's as simple as it is. His way is perfect. If His way is perfect, and and He doesn't really give any indication that there's any other way that isn't, then I think it behooves us to follow His way. As for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. Man, I mean to tell you right off the bat, we see that Isaiah is talking about a stone, and he calls it a tried stone. And in this passage, we see once again that His way is perfect, and the word of the Lord is tried. It's proven. It's been tested. It's good to go. He is a buckler to all those that trust in Him. For who is God? Save the Lord. And who is a rock? Save our God. It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. Right off the bat, as the stone, the tried stone, we see here that the psalmist is making it perfectly clear that God can be trusted. No doubt about it. This stone has been tried, proven, and tested. But not only is he spoken of as a stone and a tried stone, again, Isaiah refers to him as the precious cornerstone. A precious cornerstone. Look in Psalm 118. You're in 18, but turn 100 chapters over. They're not very long, so it won't take long. Psalm 118, verse 22. Now, if you had to go over chapter 119, then that's a long one. We just read that in our reading here just recently, didn't we? Broke it up into two days. Psalm chapter 118, verse 22. Notice the stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. Again, we see in the Old Testament again how Christ is represented as the precious cornerstone. You know that in the New Testament... The cornerstone metaphor is continued. We see it going out as well. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Again, we're dealing with a prophecy about Christ. Christ as the stone, a tried stone. Christ as the precious cornerstone. And notice what it says even in the New Testament. While writing to the church, the apostle Paul desires that the Ephesian Christians get to know Christ better. And so he writes this letter in Ephesians 2.19. Notice how he describes things. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the what? Chief cornerstone, in whom all the buildings fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. Do you know that since ancient times, builders have use cornerstones in their construction projects? That's always been the case. It's been documented. And a cornerstone was the principal stone. 
Usually it was placed at a corner of the structure, one of the corners, and it would guide the workers through the project. It being the first stone, and that stone set the tone for the next. The cornerstone was usually one of the largest, and it was the most solid, and it was the most carefully constructed in any of the buildings. Once the cornerstone was set, it became the basis for determining every other measurement in the remaining construction. Everything else aligned itself to the cornerstone. We see in Isaiah's prophecy, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone. He says, a precious cornerstone. He calls now, he calls him and says, a sure foundation. Again, throughout the scriptures, we're reminded of that truth. Do you know that Christ is spoken of as being the rock of life in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 18? In 2 Samuel twenty-two forty-seven, 47, he is the rock of salvation. In Psalm 27, 5 and 62, 6 and 7, he is the rock of strength and refuge. In Isaiah 32, 2, he's called the rock of rest and of refreshment. He's a sure foundation. So Isaiah 28, 16, Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. So as the stone or the rock Christ provides us with solid ground by which to plant our feet. As the cornerstone, he provides us with a standard by which to align ourselves and to measure our lives and our ministries. We always know where we stand with the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the cornerstone. We need only go to his word and identify where he, would, where he is placed and how he would have us go in the direction that he gives us and we can understand where we stand with him. As the sure foundation, he provides not only a firm foundation, but a future foundation. And so while writing the, to the Corinthians, Paul would point out that the rock met Israel's every need in the wilderness. Every need. And that rock was clearly identified as a type of Christ. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Here it is. And did all eat of the same spiritual meat. Notice the change now. We see something physical that's going to be related to spiritual. Verse 4, And did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So in Exodus we read how Moses smote the rock, and water came forth that provided life and refreshment to the people of God, don't we? And that's what it's referring to. Look at Exodus, because that's where this passage originates from, in Exodus chapter 17, verse 5 and 6. 
So here we have Paul the Apostle talking to the church at Corinth, and he's letting them know, he's saying, listen, them in the Old Testament, all those back there, when they drank, they drank the same spiritual drink. They drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So as we see them, the, the Moses back there striking the rock, water coming forth, the people being nourished or being satisfied with that water, we're going to see that it actually is a picture, a type of Jesus Christ himself who will do the same. Notice Exodus 5 and 6, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people and take with thee the elders of Israel and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river. Take in thine hand. Remember he smote the river? What happened to the river? It turned to blood the first time, but then also remember it, when he got to the sea, even it went across, right? It just opened up. You take that rod, that same rod, and you smite that rock. Take it in thy hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come, for, come water out of it that the people may drink. Well, I'll tell you what, those people were thirsty out there in the wilderness. There were great needs that abounded there. There, there, were, there were children and there were, there were women and children. There were adults, uh, men and women. There were young people. There were all kinds of folks, older people. And there they were out in the wilderness. They needed someone, something to help meet the need in their life. And what does he do? Sends him to a rock and says, strike that rock. You use that same uh, uh, staff that you had in your hand before and you strike that rock and out of it will come forth water. And can I tell you, God uh, blessed Moses and the people of God. And when he struck that rock, when he smote that rock, water came forth and the people were satisfied and the needs were met in their life. And he goes on in Corinthians, the Apostle Paul, to say, when you look at that in the Old Testament and you read about that situation, I want you to know that that rock was Christ, that that rock was representing the Lord Jesus and that he met the needs in the lives of people and he will meet the needs in your life too. Man, I'll tell you what, the Bible's put together in a way that is so wonderful. Every time you read the passage... In Exodus 17, you ought to think about Christ who did the same for you. Because see, that type was fulfilled when Christ, the rock of ages, was smitten at Calvary. There he died on a cruel cross. His body was broken. And then on the day of Pentecost, the river flowed from that rock. When the Holy Spirit came and all is abundant and all is fullness and satisfied our thirsty souls. That's what Exodus is a picture of to us today. It's amazing what he's done. So, what does he want to do? What does God want to do in your life? He wants to rock your world. And, and you need to let him. I mean, Jesus wants to rock your world. Say, well, what do you mean? Well, first, let me just say, you must begin on the rock. You got to begin on the rock. Turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24.
Matthew chapter 7. Verse 24, we read, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Christ has to be at the very beginning of things. He is that foundation, that tried, that tried stone, that stone that was tried. It's proven, tested. And here in the passage, we see a storm that's coming in life. And may I say, you and I will experience plenty of storms in our life. We're going to need the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'll tell you what, we got to first start on the rock. We have to begin on the rock, Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, uh, 2.16 and 2.20 says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have, be- even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. What a wonderful passage Galatians 2.20 is, our memory verse. If you're following up with that, that's what we're dealing with. And it says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I live by the faith of the Son of God. I live by the faith of the Son of God, which loved me and gave himself for me. In Galatians 3.26, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. It begins by faith in Christ, planting our feet on that solid rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where it all begins. Today, you may not have planted your feet on the rock. You haven't exercised your faith in Jesus Christ. Friend, you're missing out. And may I say the storms of life are going to just cause you to scatter and they're going to wreck and ruin everything that you're trying to build. You've got to build on Jesus Christ, the rock. We see in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, it says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. It begins on the rock. That's where life begins for you and I. The Bible teaches that uh, there in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, that death entered into all mankind. We became only a partial, part, a partial piece of what we were. We were body, soul, spirit. But when Adam sinned, that spirit compartment died in us. There is death in every person that's unconverted. Every person that's failed to receive and accept Christ is dead in their spirit compartment. Oh, they have a body and they have a soul by which their personality interacts and acts out. But my friend, they're dead unto God in that sense. But the Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ makes us alive when we come to him. We're dead in our trespasses and sins, but we're made alive the very moment we place our feet upon a solid rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. For you're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. There's no other way to get in Christ. There's no other way to be saved even, except in Christ. So not only must you, I mean, he wants to rock your world and it begins with salvation. But not only that, but understand you must build on the rock you got to build on it. And again, we started reading that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Turn there, would you? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. 
It begins on the rock. But we must build on the rock. 1 Corinthians 3.11 Again, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Which is Jesus Christ, excuse me. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. You say, what is it talking about? It's basically saying this. If you build your life on anyone or anything other than Jesus Christ, the rock, then it's all going to be burned up and it's going to be a waste of your time. It's that simple. Because you know what? Even if you're a child of God and you've been placed upon the rock, you've got to continue to build on the same rock. Do you know that it was faith that placed you on the rock and it will be exercising your faith that will keep you planted on the rock and keep you moving forward for God? And when you are judged one day at the judgment seat of Jesus Christ, and every believer will be, all the things that we have done in our body are going to be judged based on who and why we did what we did and what we did. And the truth is, is that if it's not founded and grounded upon the rock, burn up. You say, but I'm doing a lot of good things, but are they the best things? You may be a good person but God's not as interested in that as he is you being a godly person. Godly people are good people, but you can be good without being godly. But you've got to build on this rock. God wants to rock your world, not just at salvation. He wants to be that rock in your life every day. And so many times we dismiss God in our life and we go moving along on, on our own direction and, and fulfilling our own goals and our desires and our dreams. We have a game plan for our life, but God, the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, no, I'm not just want to rock your world at salvation. I want to rock your world every day. Build on me. Allow me to be a part and a piece but not just, just a part and a piece, but the rock of your life. Don't just give me a little sliver of it. Give it all to me. He wants to rock your world. Not only must you begin on the rock, build on the rock, can I tell you, you've got to end on the rock. You've got to end on that rock. Go back to Matthew 7 again. Because again, we touched on it as we started exercising faith, planting our feet on a solid, on solid ground. But notice how imperative and important it is. We said that troubles and trials will come into our lives, yes. And if we're not rooted, or should I say grounded on that rock, that tried stone, that, boy, I'll tell you what, we're going to get washed away, right? But hold on, there's a little more to that than just this life. Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not. For it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it what? Fell. Why? Because it was built on sand and not the solid rock. 
Great was the fall of it. Do you realize that in this passage, we see pictured here judgment? You say, how do you figure? Well, in Scripture, if you could go back with me all the way to Genesis chapter 6, what do we see taking place? We see rain. We see a storm. We see a flood that is judging what? All humanity and the earth. Can I tell you that as you read Matthew 7 and as I read it, we are reading not only about a time of of, of need in this life and storms that will arise today, but a storm that will come in the future called judgment. And without Jesus Christ, you'll be washed away and washed into hell. But can I tell you that if your feet are planted on the solid rock, if you've been placed there on Jesus Christ, when that storm comes of judgment, you're going to pass through with flying colors and you're going to end up in the very presence of God. You don't have to worry about spending one moment in a place called hell because you are seated and strong and standing upon the rock, Jesus Christ. Listen, it's not just a matter of of, a beginning on the rock and it's not even just of, of building on the rock. You've got to end on the rock because if you don't, it's going to end real bad. See, judgment is promised to all who reject Christ. You say, well, where's that at? Well, remember we read, anyone who falls on this stone shall be broken to pieces. Anyone whom it it falls shall be crushed. Again, in Matthew, we read that. He said in verse 44, and whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. See, the truth is, is that when it comes to that stone, Jesus Christ, you will either be crushed or you'll be broken. You say, whoa, wait, neither one of those sounds good. Wait a second. When we talk about being broken, we're talking about being broken spiritually. Our will yielded. I don't know about you, but I raised four children. And can I tell you, there come time in their lives where I had to break their will. They were determined to do what they wanted to do when they wanted to do it. They had their own little plan for life if I didn't have a plan for them. And can I tell you, there comes a point where as a parent, you've got to stand up and say, you know, enough's enough. That's how it is. There are consequences to your actions. And I'm going to break your will so that you submit to my will. Now, I didn't walk out that day and, and say, guess what, kids? You didn't take the trash out when I told you. Stand there, and I am going to grind you to powder. I've got this disintegration gun, and I'm going to shoot you and disintegrate you into ashes. You're done. You're finished. You're toast. I didn't do that, but I did break them. And he says, listen, Here's that stone. If you fall on the stone, oh, Lord Jesus Christ, oh, God, I'm a sinner. Oh, God, I failed you. I deserve hell. You'll be broken. Broken of self-will, broken of pride. But boy, don't let that stone fall on you. It'll grind you to powder. One day in judgment, though, if you don't fall on it and are broken, and your will's not yielded to his will by first coming to Christ, it'll fall on you and grind you to powder. 
he'll have to punish you. That means that you'll be separated from him forever in a place called the lake of fire. Rest in his mercy and rest in his love. Don't resist him today. He wants to rock your world. Begin on the rock by inviting him into your life as Savior. Build upon him by believing his promises and obeying his precepts. End on the rock and escape the coming judgment. See, every generation needs a rock to stand upon. A cornerstone in which to build upon. And a sure foundation in which to rest upon. Trust Christ as your Savior today. Then build your life upon Him. Rock your world today. If you don't know Jesus today, settle it. Don't leave here without knowing. Don't walk out of here believing somehow it'll be okay. It won't be okay. He will grind you to powder. He said, that's not the kind of God I've heard about. Then you've heard about the wrong God. Because those who rebel against his authority, those who say, I want nothing to do with you. I don't care if you created me. I don't care if you give me life. I don't care. I'm going to do things my way. I don't want your salvation. I don't want your uh, your involvement in my life. I'm going to do things my way. You honestly believe that he's going to turn around and say, that's fine, do whatever you want, I don't care. I create you and I love you, and you can live however you want. Because I love you, I'll let you get away with murder. His love won't be enough in that day, because he'll also have to be just. And he'll be a judge, a just judge in that day. Now, he's the Lamb of God. And there we see him on a cross and we see him come off the cross and into a tomb and resurrected the third day. And today, Jesus Christ stands before all humanity with his arms open and wide saying, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. But one day, he doesn't come as a lamb, he comes as a lion. And we either fall upon the rock, the stone, Jesus Christ, and we're broken of our self-will our sinful nature, our pride and arrogance, and we humble ourselves before Him and call upon Him and receive Him into our life as Savior and Lord. Or one day, He'll fall upon us. Hmm. That's why we knock doors. That's why we take the gospel to the world. That's why we invest our money, our time, and our effort in local church. Because there is a payday, both for the believer, but sadly enough and tragically for the unbeliever too. And God help us. Jesus wants to rock your world. Let him do it today. Fall upon him. Trust him today. Father, we come to you. We need you today. We love you. We can't thank you enough for being there for us. And Lord, there's no doubt that you love us. We will not debate that. We don't even have to question it. But even your love won't be enough when you have to come 
being that just judge that you are. Right now you extend your grace and your mercy to us in an amazing way. But Father, we have this life to make that decision. Help us to make the right decision and let you rock our world. We'll thank you and we'll praise you for it. And Father, for the believer today, may we build upon the rock, the foundation, the Lord Jesus Christ, so that one day everything we have done will pass through the fire, so to speak, at that judgment seat of Christ and all of our works and the things we've done for you will make it through and we'll be able to have wonderful trophies of your grace that we can cast at your feet. Father, help us. We need you. Lord, we'll thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.